This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks for tuning in. So if you're anything like me, you might be starting to question our collective safety for about the millionth time since the COVID-19 pandemic began last year. Now, earlier this year, there was so much emphasis and hope for what the vaccine might be able to provide in terms of safety and assurance. But now, with so many people still unvaccinated, the growing threat of the Delta variant, some vaccinated people actually contracting the coronavirus, and another fall and winter season just around the corner, I really find myself wondering what it's going to take for all of us to really be and feel safe again. Here to talk with me about what's happening with COVID-19 right now and what the future holds for all of us in relation to the virus is our friend and frequent guest, Dr. Paul Kilgore. He is Associate Professor and Director of Research at the Wayne State University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. Dr. Kilgore, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you very much, Stephen. It's great to be here with you. Mm -hmm. Great to be here with you as well. So let's start with where we are with vaccinations in Metro Detroit right now. City of Detroit has been pretty slow to embrace the idea that uh, people ought to get vaccinated uh, despite real efforts uh, on the part of the government and other advocates to convince folks that uh, this is the way forward. Uh, it's just not happening. Um, but but give us an update on on where we are and I guess what direction we're headed. Are we getting better? Are we getting closer to the numbers that we want to see? Great question, Stephen. So in the Detroit area, we're running at about 48.8%, about 49% of folks have gotten at least one dose of the vaccine. So that's actually an improvement over the past several weeks. So we are headed in the right direction. There's no doubt about it. But what I'm hoping to see in the next several weeks is actually a continued rise in the number of people getting vaccinated because this will be our key for the fall to protect ourselves, including our family, friends, coworkers, and classmates in school. Mm. And we're seeing some schools, both colleges and K-12 institutions start talking about what they're going to do for the fall. There's a real range of choices and there's a real range of decision making that's that's going on. I, I worry that that also makes it a little confusing for people. You've got some places that say you really need to be vaccinated if you want to be here. You have other places that say, well, we're going to ask that everyone wear masks, but we don't want to require vaccinations. Uh, is that inconsistency dangerous given the uncertainty that so many people still have about the idea of getting the vaccination? Right. So, you know, if I'm a parent, Stephen, or uh, anyone thinking about the fall coming up, there's a couple of things I think people need to know. Number one is that the strain that we have now causing COVID-19 is much, much different than the strain we had originally. We call it now the Delta virus. This Delta virus or Delta variant of the original strain is much more transmissible. It's much more contagious than the original strain from early 2020. What does that mean in practical terms? It means that when someone becomes infected with this variant, 
they are shedding much more virus than someone who was infected back in early 2020. In fact, some studies estimate that the viral load uh, and virus that is shed may be 1,260 times higher than those people that were infected with the original strain. Hmm. So we know right now that this strain can cause disease very easily, and it requires fewer viruses to actually become infected. And what that means then is to be protected, we need to do two things. Number one, get vaccinated. When I say vaccinated, I mean getting the full dose schedule. That means two doses of the Pfizer vaccine, two doses of the Moderna vaccine, and one dose or one dose of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The second thing is, if you are indoors or in a large gathering, and when I say large gathering, I mean a place where it may be in a room or even outdoors where you are in close contact, where you can't actually perform social distancing. Those are locations, those are situations where you wanna be wearing a mask. The reason for that uh, mask wearing, even if you are vaccinated, is because if an individual is shedding the Delta variant, and we know they're shedding lots of virus that can be transmitted, that can overcome your protection that you may have with the vaccine because this virus is much better able to attach to your receptors and infect you with very little numbers of virus particles. Hmm. I'm talking with Dr. Paul Kilgore. He's associate professor and director of research at the Wayne State University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. We're talking about the new surge of COVID cases that we're seeing across the country. Uh, we're also talking about what we should be expecting this fall as people go back to school and college, as the Delta variant continues to kind of pick up steam in terms of how uh, many people are contracting the virus, and as we start to see more of these breakthrough cases, people who have been vaccinated against COVID-19 who nonetheless still get the, the disease. We want to hear from you during this conversation as well. Tell us what you're doing right now. How are you operating in the world? I have gone back to trying to wear a mask. Many of the places that I go in public, I don't wear it all the time the way we were last year, but I'm putting a mask on and I'm certainly carrying it with me most of the time. I'm also starting to think harder about the places that I go. Big crowds, indoors, events, things like that. I'm really not necessarily back to going to those things because of the, the changes, the things that are starting to happen now that weren't happening just a few weeks earlier. So call and tell us what you're doing right now. Are you wearing a mask more frequently? Are you avoiding certain kinds of events indoors because you worry about the spread of the, uh, of the coronavirus? Also, give us a call. And as always, we want to hear about your, your stand on vaccination. Uh, as Dr. Kilgore just said, we're still under half the population here in Metro Detroit that has gotten uh, the vaccination. So if you're among that majority who still aren't doing it, call and tell us why. Call and tell us what might convince you 
to go get a vaccination. Uh, also, we want to hear what you're anticipating for the fall. Are you sending a child back to K-12 school? Are you sending uh, a child off to college? Uh, tell us what you're doing to prepare for this school year, uh, the second uh, school year, that the second full school year, where we have to think about uh, COVID-19 and its effect uh, on school populations. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, uh, Dr. Kilgore, I want to talk uh, a little about these breakthrough cases that we're seeing Um the good news, I guess, is that in many of those instances, people are not as sick with the virus as they might have been if they hadn't gotten vaccinated. At the same time, I guess I'm feeling a little worried because it seems like more people are contracting the virus uh, even though they were vaccinated. Am I right about that or is that just about perception and maybe the universe of people uh, that I interact with? So a great question, Stephen. One thing I wanted to point out with the breakthrough disease. Uh, first, a breakthrough case means that someone who has gotten two doses of Pfizer or two doses of Moderna or one dose of J&J &J, after two weeks um, receiving that last dose ends up uh, developing an infection with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. So that's the definition. One of the reasons why this is happening is that the vaccine is very, very good but it is not perfect. And I try to remind everyone that we don't really in our armamentarium have a perfect vaccine, meaning it's 100% protective. So when we realize that we're potentially going to be exposed to people, the key is to make sure that we reduce that exposure by wearing a mask. And if you're thinking about breakthrough disease the, and, you're, and you're saying, well, you know, why should I get a vaccine when I'm still gonna get sick? Here's the key message to realize. One is that even if you do get the infection as a breakthrough case, the likelihood that you're going to end up in the hospital or in the intensive care unit or, God forbid, die is very, very low. Mm. We know the vast majority of people who are now in the hospital with the Delta variant infection, these folks have not gotten any vaccine. And that's the problem. I don't want anyone here listening today to think that they shouldn't get the vaccine because they're still going to be at risk for a breakthrough case. The, the fact is that we know when people get infected, even if you don't end up in the hospital, um, we can actually treat them. Sometimes we can do symptomatic care or antiviral treatment. We can also do supportive care. But handling a case of breakthrough disease is much easier than handling a case of COVID-19 in someone who is unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Vicki in Ypsilanti. Vicki, welcome to the program. Hello. Hi. Hi, um, I'm a K-12 teacher in Wayne County Schools. My, my children attend in Washtenaw. They have very different policies. Um, we were very strict where I teach. I did not want the vaccine because it was not approved. It scares the crap out of me. It still scares the crap out of me. 
I got the vaccine late June because I wanted to travel and because I anticipated that we would not know what was going on and it was not going away. And that they would probably be more, they would protect my students who have immunocompromised parents, immunocompromised Mm -hmm. um, people in their family, brothers, sisters who have cancer and things like that. So I did it for that. But I still don't think it's, it's fair to force people to get a vaccine that's not approved. Why won't this vaccine approve? Yeah. I think just being approved would get people to go out and get it. Yeah. But this is emergency still, and I don't see why, because what, what does it take? That's yeah. my biggest question. Vicki, that's a wonderful question. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love the story that you shared as well, that you went ahead and got it because you believe that it will help protect not just you, but other people. And I think that is the, the, the motivation we need to get to, all of us, deep inside ourselves, about caring about not just ourselves and our family, but, but, but other people who could be vulnerable to this. But I also completely relate to your questions. Uh, you know, this is not an FDA-approved vaccine. And I think you're right that if it were, or once it becomes that, there, there may be a lot of people who are sitting out of it now who would say, yeah, no, I'm, I'll, I'm fine and I'll go ahead uh, and get it. Um, uh, so Paul Kilgore, talk about why it's not yet FDA approved when it might be FDA approved and whether that might make a difference in in these efforts to convince people to do it. So, uh, Stephen, it's a great question. And and Vicki has really done some great things. And I want to um, really commend her for going ahead and getting the vaccine. And she points out something very important, that the vaccination, when we do get that, we can protect those around us. And especially if we have a family member or classmates or colleagues or coworkers who may be immunocompromised or older, these are people that are going to be at high risk for severe COVID-19, and we definitely want to protect them as well as ourselves. But I wanted to also address the question around the EUA versus a uh, uh, traditional uh, FDA license. When we have developed these vaccines, starting way back, it started back in January 2020, I think listeners need to know a couple of key things. Number one, in the traditional mode for vaccine development, what manufacturers typically do is they go very step-by-step. So they go from what we call preclinical or laboratory studies, animal studies, to early phase human studies. Those are phase one. Then they go to phase two. And then finally, phase three studies are randomized trials that are double-blind, placebo-controlled. We've done all of these studies already for Moderna, for Pfizer, for J&J, and the other vaccines. The key difference that people need to know that has enabled us to accelerate vaccine development in 2020, there's really a few key things. Number one, money was provided up front for development of the vaccines. Typically, in the traditional vaccine development milieu, what happens is that companies or manufacturers need to seek out funding internally or externally with universities or with other partners in a very step-by-step manner. So that means they have to get money for their preclinical studies, analyze the data, report it out, and then get uh, money for the phase one. And they repeat that step over and over and over. It requires months and sometimes years typically to develop a vaccine Mm -hmm. because getting the money is so difficult, even if you're a private manufacturer, because 
leadership does not want to invest in a candidate for a vaccine if it does not look like it's going to be a winner. The second thing that people need to know is that when these vaccines were developed in 2020 and now 2021, one of the things that we've been able to do over the past several years is implement electronic data capture. That means we use computers and cloud computing to collect information. And the amazing part about doing the trials now is that we collect data from people using their smartphones. We don't have to fill out paper forms anymore. It means that we can collect the data much more accurately, much more quickly, and we can analyze the data in a very efficient manner. That's what's enabled us to get to the EUA. Now, all of those steps that I just mentioned, Stephen, take place when we go through a traditional standard FDA license process. It's identical. But one of the things that really has slowed down vaccine development in the past is the funding. One of the agencies that's been key for Americans and American taxpayers have actually contributed to the vaccine development is a agency called BARDA. It's the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Agency. They were created uh, several years ago to actually counter bioterrorism threats and pandemic influenza. And we used it for developing Ebola vaccines. And luckily, it was around when this new pandemic started back in January 2020. So that mechanism for government funding of vaccine development has been a critical factor in accelerating vaccine development. That's really the only difference. One thing I can guarantee listeners is that when the trials were done and have been done in Detroit area and all the other sites around the country for Moderna and Johnson Johnson Pfizer, the data that's been collected is as rigorously collected as you would see in a traditional vaccine development strategy. Hmm. Absolutely identical. And so for me, as an investigator in these trials, I feel very confident. I would not say this uh, publicly to anyone unless I had full confidence in the way that the vaccines were developed, the way that we monitor them, and the way that the FDA and other external groups are monitoring. Because we have committees looking over every piece of data in the trial to make sure that the vaccines are not only safe, but effective as well. Okay. Dr. Paul Kilgore, Associate Professor and Director of Research at Wayne State University's College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. Uh, it's always really great to have you here on the program to share your deep knowledge of all of these issues with our listeners. So thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when Congresswoman Debbie Dingell is going to join the program to talk about the infrastructure package in Washington and Author Lighty Klotz is going to talk about his new book, Subtract, The Untapped Power of Less. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.